everyone. You're here with the Family Medicine Interest Group at UT Southwestern in Dallas, Texas. We are your hosts, Jeremy Amard. And Christy, too. On this podcast, we like to interview family physicians about their lives, careers, perspectives, and any advice they would like to give to us medical students. Today, we're very fortunate to be joined by Dr. Housen Kwan. Dr. Kwan grew up in rural North Texas. His father was a sole pediatrician in town, and that is where he gained insight to his passion for primary care. After graduating from honors from his high school, Texas Academy of Mathematics and Science, he completed his biochemistry degree at Austin College. Dr. Kwan then took an opportunity of a lifetime to study medicine at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. He started his orthopedic surgery training in Dublin. However, he decided to return home and pursue his calling as a family physician. He completed his family medicine residency at UT Southwestern and was selected to be chief resident of his class. And now, for the past seven years, Dr. Kwan has been running his direct primary care practice in Dallas. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Dr. Kwan. Um, so the first question we like to ask our guests is, what brought you to choose family medicine as a specialty? Uh, well, uh, as you heard from my bio, that uh, my father was a pediatrician, which is also primary care. And so that's where I kind of um, had the skeleton started in me and, and, and how he approached patients, how he approached uh, families. Um, and even though he was a pediatrician by training, he actually was more of a family physician. Um, in a rural town, you tend to basically see the whole uh, the family, uh, parents, grandparents. He, he would treat them if they needed treatment, uh, and so it kind of grew from there. Uh, and then during medical school uh, in Ireland, because Ireland is on a national healthcare system, their primary care uh, tract is a lot stronger. Um, actually, the smartest Irish students actually went into primary care. It was actually the hardest residency to get into in Ireland. Um, and so uh, on my rotations with the primary care uh, family docs, um, you really saw that they were essentially the pillars of the community. They were the more, uh, they were a lot of times politicians uh, for the country. And so they welded a lot of um, power and influence in day-to-day living in, in Ireland. Um, and so, uh, funny enough, that was actually my second favorite rotation in med school after orthopedics. Um, so <laughs> with that kind of background, uh, it just, primary care just became a natural calling, essentially. All right. And now that you've been a family physician for a few years, uh, what aspects do you enjoy the most? Uh, well, obviously, uh, everything. Uh, everything that you, you see the whole family, you look at the patient uh, in a 360-degree manner, um, you get involved in the, not just their medical issues, but <laughs> other aspects of their life. Uh, to keep their uh, health uh, issues uh, accounted for. And so it, you know, you're basically a a family, a a doctor, a friend who happens to be a doctor. That's awesome. Are there any aspects of family medicine that you dislike? Uh, Well, in DPC, not really. (laughs) But in the traditional sense, yes, uh, insurance companies, uh, biggest headaches, and that will probably be the complaint of every doc that you ever talk to. Um, and what does your day-to-day life look like? Uh, day-to-day life is uh, pretty simple. <laughs> Wake up, 
um, take care of the kids, send them off to school, uh, help the wife if, any, if anything needs to be uh, taken care of. And then patients will either start calling me or I have patients scheduled to come see me in the clinic, take care of them, go home, have dinner, go to bed. Simple as that. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Just to switch gears back into more about direct primary care, could you tell us more about how you got into it? Oh yeah, I first learned about it uh, back in residency. So initially I had uh, basically heard about uh, concierge medicine, uh, but then uh, as I looked further into it and kind of thought about my own personality and how what type of patients I like to treat, uh, it actually uh, gelled more with uh, direct primary care. So direct primary care uh, and concierge medicines nowadays um, is a little bit different in the sense that concierge medicine not only takes the direct payments from the patients, but they also bill insurance on top of that. Uh, a lot of times it's actually out of network billing. And so I feel those docs are essentially double dipping into the system and they're not, they're, they're actually a, a, a problem to the system rather than a solution. Uh, whereas the DPC side, uh, we simply don't ask, don't tell policy with the insurance. And then basically the patients are essentially uh, who direct us in uh, treatment plans. Perfect. And more about your patients. What types of populations do you work with nowadays? Uh, my clinic is the whole gamut. I actually have a few poverty level Parkland type patients up to some relatively you know, uh, wealthy clients. Um, so this practice is basically uh, taking care of the patients and the financial aspects isn't really the um, limiting factor. Mm -hmm. And more about the financial aspects, how have you enjoyed the business side of your practice? Uh, well, I wouldn't say anyone really enjoys running a business, but it's, it's a lot simpler than a traditional practice. Um, so I think on average, a traditional insurance-based practice for primary care, your overhead is running 50 to 60%. So that basically tells you 50 cents to 65 cents of the dollar you make goes into overhead. Uh, but for the direct primary care, on average, they run from 20 to 25%. And so the only difference is insurance, right? Everyone has rent, everyone has uh, telephones, whatever, staff, staffing needs. Uh, and so that's probably your 20 to 25%. And then on top of that, for the traditional practice, you're looking at another 30% overhead just for your insurance issues. Well, I'm sure our listeners will be really interested in um, what your pricing model is for your patients and specifically how you came up with that. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, being a family doc, um, I see everyone from the cradle to the grave, as we say. Um, so for my minors, 0 to 18, you're looking at $39 a month. Uh, for 19 to 40 years, uh, $59 a month, and then 41 to 64, $79 a month, and then 65 plus, it's $100 a, a month. So how I came about it was uh, a little bit uh, like the insurance side of things. As you get older, there's uh, the likelihood of you having issues is gonna grow. Um, and so that's how I have my tiered uh, pricing for ages. Um, and then I 
looked at the market at the time when I opened the uh, practice, there wasn't really too much to go by, but there was more expensive options. And so being the new guy, you kind of have to kind of undercut a little bit uh, to kind of get into the market and then you can grow from there. Um, but also I wanted to have a pricing that actually made a uh, makes a difference for the patients where uh, you switch the patient to a high deductible insurance plan. And so this, uh, the change in the premiums uh, should more than pay for your services because that's essentially the niche that you're going towards. And so uh, I think once I counsel a patient about switching from a very low deductible to a high deductible uh, when they're well and healthy, then it makes total sense for them to have me in the mix, you know, because when you have the high deductible plans, you're paying five, six thousand uh, dollars a patient uh, per year, and you have to pay that to meet the deductible before any insurance will actually kick in and help you. And so, for primary care, um, uh, for my services, they're paying a lot less than that amount to have primary care covered, essentially. Super interesting. Um, so just more broadly, are there any recent projects that you're working on or any changes that you're looking to make to your practice? Uh, not really changes to the practice, but uh, this model actually not only benefits individuals, it, uh, small companies are now looking into this type of uh, model. Uh, as you know, small companies, they have the same headaches every year dealing with um, negotiating insurance rates with insurance companies. Now, if you're a, a large corporation with, you know, tens of thousands of workers, you can essentially go to the insurance company and tell them what you want to pay and they make it work. But if you're a small firm of five to 10 to 20 people, the insurance companies don't really care. You're not bringing them so much business that, uh, they, that you're going to matter that much. Mm -hmm. Um, therefore, now there are actually DPCs and then uh, special insurance companies that will come in and do uh, what they call a partial self-funded plan, whereas the companies have high, uh, high catastrophic coverage for their employees, but then they have the DPC docs kind of coming in taking care of most of their issues, uh, thereby uh, not really... Um, Building the insurance, and then in, in, in that sense, basically saving the, the, the cost of uh, the insurance costs. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, kind of getting into more of the logistics. Do these pa do your patients have access to you twenty four seven? How does they that do. work? Uh, so I have a, uh, a call phone, which I call the bat phone, and all every single patient that is active with me basically has access to it. Um, so they could literally call or text me. 24 seven, uh, not that they always do, but uh, they have that safety net. And the reason is also, you don't want your patients running to urgent care or uh, ER uh, for every single issues. So I would say the in the last 10, 20 years, the explosion of urgent cares and freestanding ERs have come about. And what they're doing is they're capitalizing on the inaccessibility to their primary care docs. And so when in the middle of the night, you, you get sick, you're not sure what to do, you can't get in touch with your family doctor, so what do you do? You go to somewhere that's open and it has a physician. 
And so that's where the urgent cares and free standards have kind of capitalized on that. Um, so if the DPC model takes off and every patient actually has uh, their family doc that actually knows uh, the patient, can at least triage over the phone uh, to see if it's something that needs urgent uh, attention or not. And when you triage your patients to come to your clinic, what, um, what services do you offer? Do you have a lab, imaging? When do you have to cross the threshold for actually telling them they need to go to the ED? Right. Uh, so it's just like any other triage system, right? Uh, if a patient comes in and tells you, calls you and says, hey, I have crushing chest pains, and they're a history of diabetes, high blood pressure, and a previous uh, stent, uh, then obviously those patients need to see an ED uh, immediately if they tell you that symptoms are, are similar. And I actually did have a patient like that. She, she was high risk, uh, called me like eight or nine o'clock at night, uh, <laughs> said the, the you know, textbook uh, symptoms that you don't wanna hear about chest pain, and I say, you gotta go to the ED. And sure enough, she was having a STEMI. Um, now I've had other patients that they call me in the middle of the night uh, and, and they thought they needed to go to the ER, but then after we discussed, it basically turned out to be, uh, uh, actually it was a side effect to the medication. Uh, and so I basically saved that patient from having to go to the ER uh, and, and getting an outrageous bill. Yeah, great. Yeah. And in terms of lifestyle, do you feel like the amount of times you're called in the middle of the night is offset by relatively slower daytime uh, busyness? Not necessarily. Uh, to be honest, uh, people are relatively respectful of doctors and their time. And so if there's ever off hour calls or texts, usually the first thing you hear is, I'm sorry to call you or text you this late, but, and then their complaint. Uh, and so yes, I would say, in the seven years that I've been open, I've gotten maybe three or four calls in the middle of the night, but they were legitimate calls because the patients really were thinking about going to the ER. I don't get frivolous texts uh, about someone stubbing their toe. Um, they'll usually tell me the morning after. Yeah, patients are usually pretty smart about triaging themselves. So. Have you ever had to deal with a difficult situation where someone kind of abused the system? Uh, I wouldn't say people were abusing. I've had, I think, uh, patients that really didn't believe that I was available all the time. And so when they first signed up, they actually did text on the weekend to see if I would reply because it was, it was just a very minor question. But I think uh, once they kind of saw, oh, actually, Dr. Kwan actually does you know, carry this phone, then they, actually that patient has never called me since. I mean, he just calls me once a year to get his annual, so. <laughs> are you in clinic every day, Monday through Friday, like most family dogs? I am not. Uh, that's the beauty of DPC. So uh, the reason that a lot of traditional practices have a lot of patients uh, daily is, is because of insurance issues, right? They cannot bill a patient for telephone services. They cannot bill a patient for maybe a video. I mean, I guess now after COVID, they can to a certain degree. But in the past, you had to physically see the patient in order to, take, uh, to bill the insurance and get paid. Whereas DPC is like, well, the patient's already paid up. Uh, you're just a, you're like the fire department. They just call you when they need you. And so uh, 
that frees up a lot of time for DPC docs, you know, because we can, you know, I'll give you an example. So uh, a lot of girls will get UTIs. Uh, a girl knows when she's getting a UTI. Um, they know the symptoms. They know what they've tried. They, <laughs> they know what works. Um, they really don't need a trek all the way into my clinic for me to tell me the same thing that they've told me over the phone. And so for those patients, they can call me, tell me, and then I send them a, a electronic prescription and they take care of it and they're done. They don't have to take off work. They don't have to uh, take time out of their day to come see me and it's, and, but it's taken care of, right? So saving the patient both time and money uh, and then saving me the headache of having to sit in my office nine to five waiting for the potential patient to come in. Sounds like the DPC model really utilizes telemedicine. To oh yeah, I ability. mean technology nowadays has allowed us to do a lot of things. You know, uh, uh, even for control prescriptions, it used to be on paper only, but now because you can electronically send them, well, the patient can just you know they don't have to check in just to pick up a a script to take to the pharmacy, whereas I just directly send it to the pharmacy. So. Technology definitely has allowed uh, a lot more freedom in this sense. Chrissy, you have any other questions? Yeah, I mean, there certainly sounds to be like a lot of positives and utility to the model. I was just curious if you see as a you know a practitioner any current or future challenges to the model? Uh, the future challenges will definitely kind of rest with who holds the biggest power, which are the insurance companies. So I would see or suspect the end of DPC or direct pay a lot of times with, uh, if the insurance companies decide to switch to this type of model, um, they easily could, um, thereby taking all the uh, decision-making away from uh, patients and the physicians. Um, but I don't see that happening, luckily. Um, they're gonna probably stay on the fee-for-service uh, system because that's how they make their money. All right. Well, any closing thoughts for our listeners? Uh, no, anyone that's going into primary care, I highly recommend um, DPC. It's a very freeing model. It's uh, a model that you can build your clinic and build your life on how you want to do it. Um, it's, in essence, the, the pinnacle of capitalism because you set your own prices, you set your own panels, you set your own... Uh, work hours even and so uh, you know uh, you're not going to be locked as some employee doctor uh, being told uh, how many patients to see daily and how uh, when you can take vacation uh, <laughs> um, it becomes yours so in some sense it's uh, it rise or dies uh, to uh, based on you and you only Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kwan, for your time. We really appreciate it. Of course. Anytime. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all next time.